Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hey, this is Adventure Lounge. My name's Jagger. And I'm Zach. And we're on Real Nerds. Come check out the awesome crossover episode. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, officially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 Thanksgiving Edition and beyond. I am Ryan and I am with Brad. 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 Brad's and here. Zach. Zach. Only three Jerk. of us this week. Jerkface. That's my name. Jerkface. <laughs> and we're and, still uh, doing the, the virtual uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, I have to apologize. We've been promoting our film explosion a lot and. Um, weren't able to deliver um hopefully next week we'll figure something out um but anyways that's okay though because this week we're gonna tackle one of my favorite movies the last 10 years mcgruber yep which has gained in popularity when i went and saw it in theaters with my wife she hated it and um now it's like this cool cult following you know I always feel like I'm ahead of the time, whether it was Monster Squad, Last Action Hero, now this movie. Being a Everyone nerd. Being a nerd. <laughs> exactly. Or, you know, being totally into, you're right, Brad, you know, being totally into something, whether it be comic books and stuff. Now, I mean, when Brad and I were growing up, you know, you'd had to get your action figures at Toys R Us or KB or something. Yeah. And they were, you know, either Playmates or Mattel or whomever. And they weren't that great. And now, you know, DC has their own line. Marvel has their own line and they're all made for collectors and hot toys and NECA. Yeah. Have emerged and, out of that. And Glad Brad and I have been doing that for years. I mean, if you look behind me, you can see my DC bombshells, uh, collection. And, yep. um, but now it's, it's cool to have that stuff. I remember when it wasn't cool. I remember when people made fun of me because of Spider-Man and things like that. Mm-hmm. And now they can't wait to see what the wall crawler is up to. I think I was on the tail end of that kind of bullying or like kind of, you know, people poking fun at me for liking like X-Men or anything like that. So, cause like when I got into high school, like everybody was kind of just, you know, like embracing that superheroes were a thing. So it was just kind of like, you didn't just meld it in with the crowd. So it wasn't like, you didn't feel isolated from it, you know? Yeah. You know, I never felt isolated. I always thought that people would like me for who I am. And if they didn't, that's their problem. I've never been afraid or shy of what I like. I love Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I love Spider-Man. I, I mean, I can remember when I fell in love with Spider-Man. Right. And uh, Brad, do you remember the moment you fell in love with Ninja Turtles? Really early on, probably five or six. Were you, were you, your first exposure was probably the cartoon. It was my first exposure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I definitely didn't read the comics when I was five or six. <laughs> Um, I thought of you the other day, there was an article online about things that were way darker than you remember them. And the, the example they used was a turtles cartoon in the, the, the comic book that, um, the comic book is not what you expect out of Ninja Turtles. No, I mean, they had the Archie comic as the cartoon was going on, but they built the cartoon, you know, it hit big as a comic book first, and then they revamped it into a kid's cartoon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's quite a that's quite a leap from like a, a Daredevil parody to mm-hmm. a violent Daredevil parody into like, hey, we could actually turn this into a kids thing. And what printing of the first uh, Ninja Turtles comic do you have, Brad? Oh, I have like three of the first issue. Yeah, uh, but you don't have the very first like printing though, right? No, not the one with the gobbledygook inside the cover. I have a second printing and two third printings. Because I thought of you and because. A fourth and a fifth. 
Um, I don't know if you have this app. It's called Key Collector. It's a comic book app, and it's free, and it's awesome. You can type in any character, and it'll... Well, not anyone, but they have, you know, thousands of characters. And um, and you can search by title or by character. And because I think that second printing is worth a lot of money now. Yeah, it is. I think it's like 500 bucks or something. And I think it's more now. Let me let me look real fast. I know uh, uh, Mahi Comics, a bunch of those issues are have definitely appreciated. So you have the second printing and it because uh, it says on the front cover, second printing, right? And it's, so is it near mint? It's okay. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever been able to tell the difference between like a fine and, and a near mint. Because um, if it's a near mint is $1,500. Nice. So your comic's probably, if, even if it's not a near mint, it's probably, you know, nine to $1,000. And that's for a second uh, printing. If uh, Kevin Smith or Kevin Eastman comes to Denver Pop Culture Con uh, still in November, I'll get it signed too. <laughs> You're going to have it signed? Yeah, I have the other one signed. Actually, mm. uh, one of them is both Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman, so that's pretty sweet. But I got the second printing from Andrew recently, so that's why it's not signed. Oh, nice. You know, uh, if it would, you should print off the picture I took of him flipping me off at San Diego Comic-Con and have him sign that. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool, too. Yeah. And I only paid $30 for that issue, so wow. would you say 1800 15 15 yeah pretty sweet deal you know that's the one thing um now that they're back open i want to give a shout out to colorado coins cards and comics um even though andrew's not there anymore uh, you should still visit them because uh andrew know knows brad and i really well and he would always give us great deals because he knows that we're not going to sell it we're not going to go on ebay and flip it yeah so um i mean i got the first appearance of the green goblin which is a very expensive book, and he only charged me $100 for it. Um, it's not complete. It's missing a Spider-Man head in the back letter section. doesn't mess with the story, but in the Spider-Man section, someone cut out the Spider-Man head. Um, but still, it's a comic I never thought I would ever own, and he was yeah. cool enough. And um, that's cherished, and I'll never forget I was at Walmart one day, and I was shopping, and he called me, and he's, he asked if I collect original comic art, and I said, I do. Um, you know, I always have George's Genty commissioned some work for me at Comic-Con yep. and I've bought his pages before. And my favorite Spider-Man artist is Sal Basuma, Obasima. And uh, he did a, about a 120 issue run on Spectacular Spider-Man. And Andrew called me one day and he, someone brought in original art from him from Spectacular Spider-Man where he's fighting Banjo, this like mongoloid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Spider-Man's only on one panel, um, but again, he gave it to me for super cheap, and I mean that original art is selling for over eight hundred bucks. So, like I said, he knows we're never going to sell it. You know, for me, it's about completing completing a collection, yeah. and um, he's always been really cool with me. And, yeah, like, and the new the new guy they have there is really cool too. I mean, if someone handed me a raggedy ass version of the first issue of Ninja Turtles, I would still take it. Oh yeah, like. Totally you know, it's it. um I have a couple like doubles of early Green Goblins. Um some are in um pretty good condition and some aren't, but if uh if I'm ever at Comic Con and I see, you know, a really classic issue of Spider Man that I already own and it's kind of beat up and they don't want that much money for it, I'll probably get it. Mm-hmm. Um I mean I have a copy of the Death of Gwen Stacy that's so water damaged that it's probably not worth anything. But, but the emo- but the emotional value is there for you. Oh yeah, I mean, I still have it. And I was actually thinking about making some sort of collage with the art in it because it's so water damaged that it's. I mean, that, it's not it's not valuable at all. So that'd be neat. I'd like to see that kind of collage. That'd be neat. yeah. But then I also have to bring it to myself to cut that comic book, um, and I don't think I can do it, <laughs> no matter how damaged it is. You know, I'm I'm wondering because when I was as everything started happening with quarantine happening, I started digging through my storage and I found uh, my piece of Futurama, Futurama artwork that I got at San Diego back in 2005. And um, and the the weird story behind that is that John DiMaggio and Matt Groening, I was able to get it signed by both of them on the same day at two different booths across from each other. 
Um, and uh, but I do not know what the value of this. I would never trade it in because it's just a wonderful memory and it's got a signature by Matt Groening where he clearly misspelled my name and uh, put an H instead of the K that he had clearly written. Um, but um, I, I, I would never know to look up the value of uh, it's, it's um, uh, storyboard art. So it's not um, oh, wow. an yeah. animation star. Anything. So, but Is it's it from the story episode. art of Bender. Yeah, it's Bender. Um, it's the episode where Bender becomes the God of his own universe on his ass. Nice. And uh, it's just a, it's just a, a frame of Bender going, but you know, like it's, it's one of those pieces that I like genuinely love. I would never sell it, but I always, always curious, like, I got it for like about 150 to 200 or something like that. I'm wondering what something like that would be worth given yeah. how much Futurama has a bigger cult behind it now than it, uh, than it did back when I got it in 05. You know, it's always about how much of that art is readily available and yeah. how much someone's willing to pay for it. Yeah. And I mean, also to, it's not... To, to us, it's priceless, so... Yeah, ex- exactly. And it's also not a sell, so I don't know if that factors into it or not. I'm not a, an I animation expert by any stretch, but... Um, but yeah, know. that's a cool, yeah, that same day I got a issue of the Simpsons comic signed by Matt for my friend, Sam, who, um, uh, it was his birthday that week at Comic-Con and I couldn't be there. So I was like, I'll get him the coolest gift ever. <laughs> nice. So yeah. So every week on real nerds podcast, we talk about a new movie or, uh, since we've been in quarantine, um, we're talking about a retro movie. Like I said, it's MacGruber. Uh, we also talk about movies we've been watching movie news and movies that are coming out on Blu-ray. And also, every once in a while, we get stuff from our other nerds. And this week, Corinne sent us some Catching the Classics. And here's Catching the Classics with Corinne. Hey, nerds. Corinne here for part 35 of Catching the Classics, where I watch famous and popular movies I've never seen before and send them my review. And this week, I'm actually doing a double header. I'm talking about Tootsie and Funny Face. So I have to just say a quick side note, um, it's been a really long time since I did one of these. <laughs> um, I actually had to go and look up like what number I was on because I totally forgot, but um, forgive me if I'm a little rusty, but yeah. So I watched Tootsie like two months ago and kind of forgot I did, but thankfully I live streamed me watching the last 10 to 15 minutes of it. It's on my uh, Twitter page at catching classic if you want to go back to march 31st you can find that where i live streamed it and watch it back but i don't remember too much about it other than it was okay i might watch it again someday wasn't like in love with it um i remember dustin hoffman was really good in it and that's about it so yeah tootsie i don't know three and a half out of five stars maybe I don't, I don't, whatever rating I gave it on the recording, uh, that's the, that's the rating for it. So the other movie I watched is Funny Face with Fred Astaire and my girl, Audrey Hepburn. I'd never seen it before for whatever reason. And, uh, it was, a. Uh, it was good, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I think we've talked about it before, but I'm not a big fan of those like dancing musicals which sounds weird, but, you know, it's like, oh, hey, we'll talk or we'll sing for, like, two minutes and then we'll dance for five. So a lot of it just kind of came down to, all right, I'm forwarding through this dance number because it's like, okay, if you're dancing and singing, that's one thing, but they were singing and then they were dancing and just, I'm just not, I'm not down with that. It's, boring and it uh, just eh, not a fan i don't know i mean i like audrey hepburn in it for sure um she actually did got to do her own singing in this movie and it's pretty decent it's not great it's not bad but it's not great um there were it, it, there were a couple of times where i was like yeah i can kind of understand why I had they had marnie nixon debut in my fair lady because there were a couple of notes where she was like kind of pitchy or kind of flat or something. It was just like, okay, that's fine. But generally she was all right. Um, I thought she did like the dance sequences, like where she got to dance. She did a good job. Um, but like I said, I was just kind of uninterested other than, oh, hey, Audrey Hepburn gets to dance. Cool. And then I fast forwarded through that. <laughs> um, 
you know, it's going to sound weird for me of all people to say this, but I was a little bit like disturbed with the huge age gap between them. He's like, what, fit? I think I looked it up. He was like 57 or 58. And she was like 26 or something when they filmed it. So, wow, yeah. And he didn't, there, there was one shot where they were in the book, in the bookstore and they had a bright, like, uh, he was lit, like, really brightly. And wow, he looked really old. Like, most of the film, he didn't look like he was 57 or 58 or whatever, but in that one scene he did. And I was like, ooh, yikes. Girl, get you someone else. Um, I feel like when I was uh, at the 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 charade showing with Ryan and a couple of the other nerds, the, the one dude who spoke after the movie said something about how Audrey Hepburn, this was like, like charade was like the third time that she had been chasing an older man. So it was like, she's chasing Fred Astaire in Funny Face. She's changing, or she's chasing Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady. And then she's chasing Cary Grant in charade. And it's like two of the three, I can definitely understand. But Fred Astaire, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not a big fan of Fred Astaire between all the dancing and the, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with me. But, uh, yeah, it was okay. I thought it was funny. The, the one, uh, the editor lady, she was, I thought she was hilarious. Um, and there were a couple of funny bits in there, but, you know, it's just a lot of singing and a lot of dancing. I don't know why. It's like some musicals, I love them, and some musicals, I'm like, oh, this is so boring. Let's get on to the next thing here already. Let's get back to the plot, you guys. But, anyway... It's definitely worth checking out. It's on Amazon Prime. That's how I watched it. So if you've never seen Funny Face, I recommend you give it a shot. I would also give that three and a half stars, maybe four, if I'm feeling generous. Just because Audrey Hepburn's in it. And she does look really cute in the movie. So that they try to act like, oh, you ugly girl. Like, oh, but, you know, we got to make her up to look hot. And it's like... <sighs> are you all blind? <laughs> She's already hot. This is not like a, a, you know, princess diaries where they had to like put a, you know, ugly wig or something on her and put some glasses and everything. You know, no, they basically just like gave her some different makeup and new clothes and they're like, yep, she looks super duper hot now as opposed to earlier when she was just in drudgy clothes but looked basically the same. Yeah, she's still hot. She's Audrey Hepburn, you guys. So, anyway, I've rambled long enough, but, yeah. Funny face, three and a half stars. Tootsie, three and a half stars. So, don't know what I'm going to watch next time. I still have to get around to watching Inglorious Bastards or Zodiac at some point. So, maybe that'll be next time, whenever that is. Another, like, two or three months from now. Alright, hope all of you are well, and uh, talk to you later. Bye! Well, first of all, um, Cary Grant was 59, and I think uh, Hepburn was 32 or 33 in Charade. So I guess Cary Grant just holds it together better than Fred Astaire. Well, he had that magical miracle elixir that he drank back in Vaudeville, right? (laughs) (laughs) Even when he was like in his 80s, he didn't look that bad. Um, Yeah, you know, Audrey Hepburn is fun. Um, Yep. (laughs) I, those two movies. Funny Face is all right. Um, Tootsie, I was never a big fan of. I know it has a lot of fans. Um, I, I was never one of them. I think it's a. I think it's a good film. I I like versions of that of the man dresses as a woman. Film yeah, exactly. Is is Tootsie is on AFI's top one hundred? I think I it is. Think so. Brad, find out yeah. if that's on the AFI's yeah. top one hundred. Searching. Yeah. searching if it's not then it's <laughs> you need to add the, the aol dial-up tone <laughs> <laughs> initiate modem bradbot on the list itself it might be a um a situation where it's part of the categories ones like best movie lines or it is it's number 69 <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I don't know. It's an okay movie. I was never a big fan of it, but oh wait, sorry. obviously has its fans. Yes, it is. It's number sixty nine. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. But <laughs> um, yeah, no. I mean, Tootsie's fine though. It's it's. I haven't watched it in a long ass time though, um, and I don't think I've seen Funny Face. So that's All one right. I'll need to check out. I like Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. And I like me some Mustaire dancing around. I like his earlier stuff, obviously, but you know, he danced. He danced well into his what eighties. Oh yeah. No. He's great with Stewie from Family Guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> movies also come out on Blu-ray, and we're going to help you decide which movies to get. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Well, um, uh, we'll kick it off with. Um, uh, one of the last movies, one of the me- last movies we recorded an episode on in theatrical release, The Invisible Man, is getting its 4K and Blu-ray release. Um, that showed up on my front door today. Ah, I forgot to pre-order it. I pre-ordered something else that's coming um, that's going to be on this list. Um, we're also getting a 4K edition of The Deer Hunter from Shout Select. Um, it's That's one of the first times Shout's done a 4K one. I right? think it is their first one. Right. Let's hope this does well, because I'd like to see some 4K coming from them all the time. Uh, one of the things that I have pre-ordered, but I don't know if it'll show up on time, is John Carpenter's Escape from L.A. Screen Factory Collector's Edition. Uh, I ordered stuff off Screen Factory's website eight weeks ago, and I still haven't gotten it. Really? They're still, so they're still that backed up? I, I don't know. They have, I sent them an email, because here's the thing. is I usually don't care, but Screen Factory charges you before they ship it. Yeah. So I've been charged for them, and I'm just like, what the hell? Yeah, if it gets a little longer, you can send them a polite email going like, hey, I know. But... I did send them an email last week. I was like, hey, I know COVID, but it should it take seven weeks? <laughs> Especially <laughs> um, when I got half the order already. Oh, uh, well, yeah, if you've already gotten half of it, like, was, was any of them a pre-order, or was it just straight orders? Just straight. Uh, it was their, uh, like, cabin fever sale or something. Oh, uh, okay. All right, well, here's hoping that Brian gets the rest of his, his selections from Screen Factory. We'll move on to another label. Uh, Arrow is putting out the, the Sukumato collection, the Solid Metal Nightmares. Um, and this is consistent of a lot of films that Sukumato made, amongst them Tetsuo the Iron Man, which is a wonderfully crazy bonkers movie that I highly recommend. Um, Blue Underground is putting out on 4K Zombie, mm-hmm. the Fulci film, and Maniac. Um, which are just 4K releases of ones they've already put out before. But that's cool that those uh, guys are getting a 4K transfer. Yeah, they're taking – so they put out special editions of those last year. Uh um, But they're putting – they're bundling that now with a 4K disc. Yeah. Which which I heard look really good. So it's it's interesting. We live in a world where we can get a 4K of Maniac, but not of Last Action Hero. We're going to change that. I need to go to change.org and start a petition. Please do, Ryan. I will back it up 100%. You better. Um, you don't have a choice. That's true. I'm, our, I'm a part of this team, whether I like it or not. <laughs> um, uh, Criterion Collection has a few things coming out. Amongst them are Husbands uh, with Ben Gazzara, Peter Falk, and John Cassavetes. Um, you can check that out if you'd like. Wildlife from 2018. It's Paul Dano's directorial debut, which I have not seen. I don't know if anybody here has seen it. Um, but that's got a Criterion Collection re- uh, uh, release right off the gate. And the one that I have pre-ordered, Scorsese Shorts. Uh, it's a short films that he made. So when you say a Scorsese short film, does that mean it's two hours long? Got it. There's a Scorsese joke. <laughs> you don't understand, Ryan. They're five hours long because the, the Irishman's really supposed to be ten hours long, and I cut it down to three to appease Netflix. I was um, thinking, how many of his movies are under three hours long? A lot of the stuff that he made early on in his career. It's when he got into the 90s is when he started being able to make like two and a half to three hour epics. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this shorts collection in particular, it features the documentary he made about Little Italy and it includes his parents in it. And it's been cited as one of those great examples of a good documentary film about like the... Mamma mia. Yeah. <laughs> Scorsese's mom is a treasure. Stop that. <laughs> um Shout Select has Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. I had no idea they were putting this out. This is awesome. Uh, has anybody seen this film? Yep. Oh, God, it's wonderful. Um, and then, wow, Dolly Dearest is being reissued or something. Okay. <laughs> Yay. 
I thought we already talked about that like a, a couple weeks ago. I think they some movies keep on getting delayed. That might be. Well, if you didn't hear us talking about Daddy or Dolly Dearest, uh, it's the horror film with a picture of a demented doll with a uh, butcher knife. Um, and it's from 1991. And uh, feel free to seek that out. Uh, Kino Lobor has got a Christopher Lee movie coming out called In Search of Dracula. Believe the unbelievable, Ryan. I don't there believe really, it. There really was a Dracula. Dracul. Dracul. I know. Gary Oldman told me all about it in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dr. Acula. All right. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. We got the soundboard again. <laughs> um, and... Uh, Looks like FYE's got a steelbook of Tommy Boy. Ryan, do you want a steelbook of Tommy Boy? <laughs> uh, if it looks cool, that's awesome. Uh, it, it is a, it's uh, Chris Farley and then David Spade in front of him and then the deer in front of uh, both of them. Oh, yeah, because the deer they thought was dead. Yeah, exactly. Um, with just a yellow background, it's, uh, it's not like any cool, real neat artwork or anything. Um, no instant found. Sorry. You know, it's interesting. Um, it was on Comcast the other day and Comcast puts Rotten Tomato scores on their movies. Um, as you scroll through Yeah. and, um, critics, I think it's Tommy boy. So like 30% and, uh, fans or moviegoers. It's like 96. It's yeah, crazy. Cause critics were a little unkind to that movie. And by a little, I mean a lot. Um, Shot Select's also putting out a Midnight Clear, um, Keith Gordon movie, uh, starring a lot of uh, 90s luminaries, so you can pick that up if you'd like. I would like to see it. It looks interesting. Um, and then there is a steelbook coming out of Better Off Dead, uh, the John Cusack movie from Sta- Savage Steve Holland. Um, this steelbook looks way better than the Tommy Boy steelbook. It looks like actual artwork is involved. Um, it's uh, John Cusack sitting on a ledge with a lot of other people around him. So, yeah, go ahead and seek that out. And then the last thing is that Stephen is putting out Horrors of Spider Island from 1960. This looks like a lot of fun. I think Severin does a good job with their releases. So seek that out. Support all these. Don't go the way of Twilight Time. And that's Blu-rays. You know, I forgot to mention Brad you can actually take us around town this week. Can I? Yeah, the drive-in theater opened. Well, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, but still opened. Brad, just do us a favor and take us around town. Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. Yeah, so I've been driving my moped around town, and I, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, the drive-in was open for a day. Uh, on Memorial Day, and they showed space, uh, like documentaries. So, yeah, so they could yep. be open on Memorial Day, and they don't know when they're actually going to be fully open, but they're working on it. It's starting to. Uh, I saw that Park Meadows is open now. <laughs> yep, and the the Fort Collins uh twin uh holiday twin drive-in is open now. Yes, and they're showing regular films. It's uh slowly but surely happening. Yeah, it looks like um. Because, you know, then they showed a new uh, trailer for Tenant, so I think they're going to hopefully be able to get that out in July. Yep. So, the Alamo opens up. Are you there day one? Yeah, I'm not scared. <laughs> Are you wearing a mask while you watch the movie? If I have to. So, so, if they, so even though you don't have to, you'll, like, if you're if not I, required, you'll, you'll not wear one? Yeah, if I'm not required, I'm not going to wear one. Hmm can't live your life afraid right but it's like to protect autoimmune people that may be sitting in the theater with you well i well they're going to stagger the seating right yeah but i mean it's not like the virus obeys six feet (laughs) yeah i know i'm I'm saying that but if i don't have to i'm not going to Hmm. all right i don't mean it's going to wear a mask the rest of your life no until there's a vaccine but batman does it yeah. No, Batman wears a cowl. Spider-Man wears a, Spider-Man wears a full mask. He sure does. Yeah. But not when he's Peter Parker and taking Mary Jane to the movies. Spider-Man doesn't go to the movies? Peter Parker does. What What would Peter Parker see on any given date night? <laughs> I feel like Spider-Man would show up in costume to the movies. No, because then he'd get razzled. 
Does, doesn't he like attention? He likes his privacy. Spider-Man? No. I saw Spider-Man 3. He loves attention. And that, where did it get him? <laughs> uh, Brad, that was, that was it, harsh. He like... killed his best friend. <laughs> oh, That's is Goblin Jr. going to cry? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Movie news. It's real news. Um, I'm going to segue off of the Tenant trailer um, that was just discussed. There was a new logo on that trailer. Did anybody notice it? And apparently it's because that the Warner Brothers changed the logo to avoid confusion with a bike, co- a bike parts company. Um, the, uh, the fear from this particular company was that they didn't want to get sued by Warner Brothers, even though they created the style of the logo first. And Christopher Nolan apparently sent an email saying, you know, if you want us to change it, we'll change it. So hats off to Christopher Nolan for being a nice guy during quarantine and helping a uh, Washington uh, business uh, keep its uh, IP and its original design. Sorry, what, what logo? The logo for Tenet. Oh. They changed the logo. Did you hear it or do I need to repeat it? No, no. I, I I thought you meant like one of the like syncope or Warner Brothers logos or something. No, no, no. The title logo itself, because mm. it, it uh, matched up with the style of a bike parts company from um, uh, Bellingham, Washington. So, so yeah, that's pretty cool that they were able to get that sorted out, and the te- and the new logo looks just fine. Looks just fine. Um, but I guess the really the biggest news that's happened since we. Um, uh, last recorded is that the unthinkable has fucking happened and we're getting the Snyder cut of Justice League. Like, I'm on board. Yeah, yeah totally. I'll buy too. HBO Max now. Yeah, but talk about talk about perseverance really ending up with a positive solution out of all of that, I guess, because I had zero faith that we'd ever see any cut of Justice League other than the one we were treated to in theaters, so... Yeah, I can't believe the hashtag worked. Yeah. <laughs> Which well, means- there has to be some validity to it because, I mean, there's no way Warner Brothers would okay and HBO Max would give him 30 to $40 million to finish it if they didn't think that there would be some value into doing it. Yeah. My guess is they're going to put it on HBO Max. I won't be surprised if they put it in theaters and they release it actually on some form of media because right. they're going to want to maximize the money that they've invested into it. Yeah, especially given how everything's uh, all up in the air with regards to further film production and stuff. This is uh, good... the way you talk about film productions are starting right now. Not it'll happen. I know it'll happen. Yeah. We don't have to be so negative all the time. They're it'll opening. Happen. They're opening Pandora's box though, because now I want to see the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad. Yeah. Well, he, he said, said it. Is. Yeah, he said it's not going to take that much. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's being given um, about $30 million. Although, I mean, there's some reports saying it might cost more, whatever. The case may be, he's getting the money to finish this up. Um, so hats off to Zack Snyder for being able to finish his vision of the film that was taken away from him. Um, well, and it wasn't taken away from him. <laughs> his his daughter died, so he left. There, that It's it's a combination of that and also um, Jeff Johns wanting uh, to go in a different direction. Um but um, the the other part of this is that Ben Affleck addressed it and thanked everybody and then made a Phantoms joke right after that <laughs> um, in a video that he sent off to listeners of Fat Man Beyond. So that's a lot of fun. Everybody's having fun with this news. I'm excited for it. Yeah, ever since Ben Affleck isn't married to Jennifer Garner anymore, he's popping up more and being cool again. Yeah, that that's part of it. I, it seems like she's pretty still a pretty supportive part of his life and especially with his sobriety. So yeah, no, I'm just giving him a hard time. Oh yeah. I still need to see the way back. Did you see the way back Ryan? Mm-mm. Okay. I need to watch it. still. it's on the VOD now, but anyway, that's news that I saw. Cool. Um, we watch movies throughout the week in a segment I call we've been watching movies throughout the week. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what'd you watch this week? Yeah, this title changes every episode. Um, it does. <laughs> what I watched this week? Oh, man. I watched pretty much all the rest of the 2012 Ninja Turtles cartoon animated show, and it is pretty impressive. Um, 
as Ryan, you know, I was sending you screen grabs of uh, some of the stuff I saw as I was going along and just some uh, pretty uh, knowledgeable horror fans making that show because they did a Friday the 13th reference, Sam Raimi reference. They also did a Mortal Kombat reference. They did a Mortal Kombat reference. Mikey performs a balloonality. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and the other thing I didn't expect was the, um, the voice cast. Like, they have a pretty robust like featured voices like um, Mark Hamill was on the show. Um, Robert Forster was a character. Um, You know, I I didn't think he was someone who did uh, Ron Perlman, Danny Trejos, uh, the neutralizer, Louis Black. Um, Here's the thing. If you were like some celebrity and they offered you a role, I would always take it. Oh yeah. It wouldn't be fun. Yeah. To be a cartoon character. Absolutely. Oh, one of my favorite ones uh, was uh, so the turtles meet the, uh, the 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 frogs, right? Genghis Genghis Frog, Napoleon Bonafrog. Um, <laughs> in the old cartoon, it, the Genghis was kind of like the leader of them, but in this one, they focus on Napoleon Bonafrog. But they get John Heater to play Napoleon Bonafrog, and he does it as Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so he's you know telling like, "Gosh, Genghis, get off my back." Uh, so, stuff like that is pretty funny. That's pretty meta. Yeah, so, Robert. Is huh? this show meant to be for adults? Uh, it, towards the end of this end of the run, it, it it actually did some surprising stuff. Like early on, it was pretty tame. Like uh, they obviously used their weapons way more than the '87 show ever did. Um, but they, you know, they'd always cut away from an impalement or uh, someone falling. You know, they cut away and then you just, they cut back to see them on the ground. But uh, the fourth season, when like all the storylines kind of come to a head, um, you know, you, you see uh, violence, um, sort of graphic. Like, it's not really blood, but um, a character does get impaled, and you see like the blades going through them. Yeah. Um, um, the, the, there's a run in the middle, I think, that, of the third season, which is why I was like uh, showing Ryan. They have these kind of horror episodes. And they're actually pretty scary. Like, uh, you know, they're they're stand-in for like a Jason Voorhees character. Um, is pretty like the image is pretty spooky. And then where I'm at now, there's like these tales of the TMNT. So like, they're re- they're side stories that may or not may or may not be a part of like canon. Um, that have all the Universal monsters as characters that are uh, pretty scary um, ish for kids. Like uh, like vampires are biting people and werewolves are running around. It's pretty uh, pretty cool. But the the most recent impressive thing they did um, like part of this season's run is they did kind of a no a straight up homage to Mad Max Fury Road, where it's set in the future and the you know there's like like a cataclysmic event and all the turtles, um, like it follows Raph initially, and he thinks. Uh, his brothers died in, in the event and he has Donnie as like a, ro- like a cyborg with him. And so he's got the war rig and he's, just, you know, living on his own in the desert and he picks up, you know, a, uh, like this girl who's trying to find the green place. And, uh, you know, a- after like a certain amount of time, I was like, is this, this has to have been an hour by now. Right. And what they did on the DVD is it was three episodes that aired but they mashed them all together into a single feature length. So yeah, by the end, it was like an hour and a half long. And you know, at first you're kind of marveling at it being an homage to Fury Road. But the, by the end, the story is so compelling. Um, Cause you're wondering like, you, know, you slowly find out like what actually happened to each of the turtles in the final one. Like you don't see it initially, but just like, just before the end, you realize like, Oh my God, there's Leonardo. And it's sort of tragic, but also kind of like warm and fluffy in the finale. So I was impressed. I, I'm, I really regret kind of not following along when it, all this stuff initially aired. So uh, definitely check it out. It's, it's quite, and there's so many Easter eggs to the comics and um, like the 1990 movie, they have entire scenes taken away from the 1990 movie and like slightly reimagined um, like the shredder falling off into the garbage truck happens in their way. And like Casey quotes lines from the movie that, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. Nice. 
So in the Fury Road episode, there's like uh, Casey's mask, but their version of his mask is like this deep cut from the 84 comics, like where he has the American flag painted on it. Actually, I think it's from the body count uh, series with Simon Bisley, um, I think. But yeah, that's like only the hardcore turtle fans are going to catch that reference. So whoever was doing this show definitely like paid attention to turtles lore and was a, as big horror fans. Like I just saw Robert England is one of the characters on the list there. So, cause yeah, there was like a, a nightmare on Elm street style episode where, um, some character entered everyone's dreams. Mm. Um, pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So check it out. They're pretty, um, easily to, easy to find on DVD, um, like cheap or. Yeah. I, I, I bought them all up, uh, I mean, I think a month ago they were less than ten dollars each. Okay. Uh, except for the first season, which is like a two-season box set, so it was like twenty bucks. But yeah. and there's a lot of like individual DVD releases, but you can also get it on like iTunes and Prime. They had a sale. I think the the entire series was like twenty bucks or thirty bucks. So. Weird. Are you guys seeing red flashing in front of your cameras? Yep. Yeah, it's you. It's you, man. What the heck is happening to me? I think your connection is just oh, freaking out. I'll turn, off, I'll turn off my video. Sorry. I have to restart. So, yeah, that's all I watched. Oh, I don't have Cal Bung on the soundboard. Lame. Yeah, pizza time. Yeah, let's do that one. Pizza time! Nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, they got uh, Robbie Rist, who did Michelangelo's voice in the movies. They have him come back as uh, Mondo Gecko. Nice. And he's more of like a 2000s skater instead of the 80s skater. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then Corey Feldman. Uh, he, he's in, in a bunch of episodes as Slash. Um, hmm. And it, like, in the first season, Raphael has this pet turtle. And you're like, that's kind of weird that like four humanoid turtles keep a regular turtle as a pet. <laughs> and then... Like that's just a setup for him eventually becoming Slash, which I think happens in the second season or something. So they definitely have like threads peppered in early on that become you know other things that you're not, you're not initially seeing what you know what's what they're laying out for you. So anyway, awesome, Zach. All right, um, <clears throat> I did the thing that Ryan probably would not like me to do, which is I just watched a bunch of Martin Scorsese movies this week. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, so you yeah. watched two of them? No, no, I watched. Um, let me count it: one, two, three, four, five, six Martin Scorsese movies. Only one of them was two hours, which was rewatching Hugo. This um, is bad. Fuck you, pay me. Oh, you had a fire. <laughs> Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> got hit by lightning. <laughs> Fuck you, pay me. I like that it goes for the whole length of that conference. <laughs> um, yeah, one of them was Goodfellas in 4K, which I wish that transfer was better. But I don't know how much more you can do with it. Um, it just feels a little off. It feels like the um, where it's supposed to be like crushed blacks. It just feels like it's a little off. Um, and this was an early 4K release. So I don't know if they plan on doing any further like treatment with it. Probably when the 50th anniversary approaches or something. Um, but rewatching a bunch of the other films, I went through the, the Departed again, which I still think is a lot of fun. It's it's weird. It's a, there's a lot of just Scorsese going nuts with different film tricks and different imagery that it's it's more like a kid in a candy store than like a you know a movie with heft. But I still love the hell out of it. Um, and uh, rewatch Casino. This is the first time that I really realized that that movie is just like it's 95% narration, but it still manages to hook me in. Um, I would understand if somebody told me it was unwatchable because it's it's very much just voiceover of pe- people telling you things that happen um, and very little actual character interaction. Um, but what's funny is, is that if you're watching the story without that narration intact and you like turn off the sound, it's interesting how he's working with silent film motif just to get character connections across. And I still like Don Rickles carrying a shotgun to Robert De Niro's house that casting of Don Rickles is still perfect for that movie. Um, and then I rewatched the Irishman, which I, I, I like it every more. The more I watch it, the more I'm enamored with it. 
um, just as this story of like people getting old and filled with regret. Um, rewatched the aviator. So I did a Kate watch this week, uh, kind of unofficially Ryan and God, she is, she is still fucking, that role is still fucking amazing. And she fucking knocks it out of the park. She is undoubtedly like my issue with that, with her in her presence in the movie is only that I don't get more of her, but it's like the perfect supporting character for the story that they're telling about Howard Hughes. And, you know, I, that movie clearly had a huge impact on me when I saw it in the theater with my mom, because obviously my my image of old Hollywood and its glamour like kind of dips off of that movie, especially in the first quarter of it. Um, rewatch Gangs in New York. That's still a lot of fun. It doesn't hold up the same well, the, the same way it used to for me, um, but I still like it. Um, the best out of the rewatch for me was Hugo, because I just watched it and I just started crying again, because it's the only film that I've seen where Scorsese's wearing his heart on his sleeve. Like it's, it's so weird to watch a, a filmmaker that generally does not tend to uh, throw his own emotions into a project like that, like it, that directly to watch him basically just bear his entire soul of like the, the warm things that make him happy is uh, pretty remarkable. And I, I'm one of the, I don't know if I'm the lone defender in this, but I think that this is Sasha Baron Cohen's best performance. That's not Borat um, because he's just doing silent film comedy in it. The only difference is that he has some lines of dialogue, but he's doing physical stick, physical stick. And it's wonderful. Um, and then the only non Scorsese thing that I rewatched this week was Looney Tunes back in action. Cause I wanted to unwind after a long day at work. And, uh, yeah, I, I still stand by what I say about that film. It's uh, it does the Looney Tunes more justice than Space Jam, but it's still a mess. Um, but I'll defend it because I had fond memories of it watching it as a kid. So, so yeah, that's all I watched this week. Ryan, ah, uh, cool. Uh, I actually hardly watched anything. Um, I usually when we do film explosion episodes, I usually don't watch movies throughout the week because I kind of take a break uh, from movie watching. Um, so I play a lot of video games, so I've been playing a lot of Resident Evil 2. Um, the new Mortal Kombat update just came out, so I've been playing that. Um, the only movie I really watched was Top Gun in 4K, and, uh, that's an impressive transfer. Um, and the movie's still really fun. As I watch it, I go, man, this is the ultimate, like, dude movie, where it's guys hanging out like spliced with 80s rock with flying jets and it's all about how cool you can be and i mean like i said i don't think it's tom cruise's best movie uh but you'll see me put it as my favorite tom cruise movie because i think it's the ultimate tom cruise movie if that makes any sense at all uh it's just it, it signaled that he is you know one of the biggest stars in the world it, and his commitment to roles really started there. It, he, and it's just, it's fun to watch. And uh, the 4K actually has a new like 30th anniversary 4K special feature on it. Um, ooh. Hey, what's up, Zach? No, I was saying ooh to that, for, to that new special feature. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's so, yeah, it's fun. It's worth it. It's, it's a cheap 4K. It's only $20. Ooh. And uh, the transfer is great. And it's, it's fun. I recommend getting it. How did the sound... Uh, if you like Top Gun. How did it sound with... Because um, it's, it's the 5.1 True HD sound, right? Oh, yeah. It shakes. Oof. It's, it's worth the upgrade if you like the movie. Uh, I did like it for fitness cinema, so I might just go ahead and get that on Amazon tonight. Uh, oh, yeah. It'd be a good one to uh, watch uh, for fitness cinema because it like it's constantly Kenny Loggins or you know, take my breath away. So it's going to always get it going. It was the hardest. You know, and it's cool to the top things that you guys still there? Yep. Sorry. <laughs> That's all I watched this week. Yeah. Cool. Uh, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, our retro film explosion, our film, is we're going back in time to a simpler time in 2010 
to see a Saturday Night Live skit that was never more than 90 seconds to make its feature <laughs> film debut in MacGruber. Yep. Zach, should people see MacGruber? Absolutely, you should. I, I'm still bamboozled that this movie didn't do better in theaters. Um, I, got to, I got to see a preview version of, a preview of it before it got released, and um, it's uh, pretty astounding how that movie is able to take a 90-second premise and turn it into an hour-and-a-half, balls-to-the-wall nonsense comedy. So, yeah, I, I absolutely recommend you watch this movie. Yeah, because it's awesome. Brad, should people see MacGruber? Oh, yeah. Uh, this is my, one of my favorite just crude, um, um, filthy comedies. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's just funny, like all the way through. Uh, hopefully sometime soon we'll do a, a commentary for it, which I know isn't easy to do with comedies, but if we yeah. stick to like, you know, behind the scenes, how they made it type stuff like we did with Last Action Hero, I think we could do it. Yeah, I I told that to Zach uh, this week. I said I could do it. I'd have to do research, more like technical research into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think you can MST3K it. It's like, no. it's it's already too funny. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think people should see it. Uh, my wife hated it. I took her to see it. So we were part of the uh, $2 million opening weekend or something. <laughs> um, she hated it. I loved it. Um, here's the hopefully Red Band trailer for MacGruber. Two days ago, a Russian nuclear warhead got jacked. Open it. Reliable sources informed us it's made its way to U.S. soil. I'm going to turn Washington, D.C. into a pile of ash. We need the best. Get me MacGruber. I'm in. What? I'm in. Hello, MacGruber. America's greatest soldier is back in action. Cooper, I thought you were dead. So did I, but I'm not. So what do we know so far? The nuclear warhead is now in the possession of Dieter von Kuntz. And this guy is untouchable. Oh, I'll touch him, rookie. I'll touch him wherever I want. Right now, Kuntz has no idea you're even alive, and that is a huge advantage to us. He may not be the smartest. Your companion's a very beautiful young woman. Thank you. Hope you enjoy being date-raped, ma'am. This is my daughter. Sorry. <laughs> He may not be the bravest. How did you know I was wearing a bulletproof vest? You're wearing a bulletproof vest? Awesome. But this spring, when the world needs a hero, do not underestimate this man. He'll do anything. What the fuck? Now! To get the job done. I just took an upper decker in the master bathroom. Upper decker? Yeah, it's where you take a number two in the water tank and not in the bowl. You look great. Rogue presents. It's go time. Let's move. All right, we got a nuclear warhead. Holy shit. What's wrong with Gruber? The fuck is this? It's like a million wires in here. More like a three-wire guy. There's a green one. Oh, there's like a bunch of green. MacGruber. Didn't quite catch that. Stick it where the sun don't shine. Oh, yeah, where might that be? Up your butt. Up your butthole. God, I can't believe that's 2010. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, that, this movie's fucking funny. <laughs> so what's MacGruber about, Ryan? Yeah, that movie is amazing. It's, you know, I did read a little bit because there's a great article on, uh, MacGruber is about uh, ex-Green Beret, some like Medal of Honor presidential. Oh, did Ryan freeze up? Death of his wife. And by death, I mean she was shot with a rocket or blown up at their wedding. And he's brought back into action to take down... Dietrich von Kunth and who's played awesomely by Val Kilmer. Yeah, no, this, this I find it, I find it amazing. Like, is, is this the only R rated SNL movie? Uh, maybe one of like, uh, Stuart saves his family or it's Pat. Maybe yeah, or if, blues brothers. Yeah, I guess blues brothers. Maybe. Yeah. Or is that but PG like, thir- or just PG? Cause it's like 1980. Yeah, but they no did. Blues Brothers rated R. Okay, there you go. 
So then, like, but this is the first one, like, R-rated one they've done in a while. It's just amazing, like, taking this 90-second sketch and just turning it into a full-blown canon movie with the MacGruber character fully intact and letting Will Forte go nuts. Um, the the whole distraction bit is still one of my funny favorite parts of this movie. Well, I think that's why it works so well is because... Uh, may, but, hey, yeah, Brad, no, maybe take off this uh, screen share or something. Yeah, sorry, I forgot. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, just that whole distraction scene where he sticks the celery stalk up his ass is just still one of the funniest fucking things. And then the fact that Ryan Phillippe has to do it at the end of the movie is just, I, the movie does a lot. It, 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 it pays off gags in a way that few comedies do for me. Uh, so I, I just yeah, I have I th- a problem with it. I, I think uh, why it took a while to catch on is there, it's a, really over the top action movie but if you peel apart the layers of the film it's really deep when he talks about stealing um Kunt's girlfriend from him and then forcing her to get an abortion you say oh that's why Kunt hates him yeah <laughs> it's it's horrible he's a horrible person but for some reason you totally like him yeah <laughs> he's he- he throws himself. He throws Brian Phillippe in front of him. It's a great slow mo shot of just him about to be a hero and then just cowering right behind him. It's great use of slow motion. And you know everybody in the uh, movie is game. I mean, Ryan Felipe, He has this the the moment I just mentioned where he's talking about how you know of course I wouldn't let her keep his baby, so we aborted it. His uh, reaction and his faces are so good. And then you have the great powers booth that adds, you know, weight to the roles. Um, And, you know, uh, you know, he walks in and he says, God can't save you, but I can. It's it's so stupid. And, you know, and I love too because it also takes action movies and turns it on their head. You know, at the beginning, he's assembling this awesome team of WWE superstars. (laughs) And, uh, you know, his Chris Jericho bit where I, I put it on Twitter because it makes me laugh every time where he says, looks like you're keeping your bod in pretty good shape. You're looking pretty good yourself. Well, every day is a workout when you're carrying a 20-pound 20 20 python in your pants. You and your dick comments. I say them because they're funny. That's why I laugh. And that's why I say them. <laughs> so stupid. But it's so brilliant. I remember a couple months back when I rewatched it, um, I texted Ryan right after. <laughs> we just went into that routine of the dick comments for like a good solid five texts in a row. Yeah, because like, it, it works so well. It, it does. Uh, the uh, And then the I love the – It's I don't know the line verbatim, but uh, Val Kilmer is just like, uh, no, you know what happened is I, uh, I assembled this wonderful team and then they all just blew up in a van. Oh, wait, no, because that didn't happen to me because I'm not a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, Kilmer's great in the movie too. Uh, he's wonderful. I like Kristen Wiig in it a lot too. I, oh yeah. Rewatching it, like she she does a lot of the when she has to pretend to be a MacGruber to be in the co- to get in the coffee shop and she's following his directions and she has to remove that tip from the tip jar. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean MacGruber is a piece of shit person, but for some reason it totally works. Remind me again why I have to pretend to be him, and why do I have to pretend to be you? <laughs> all, nobody can be me. <laughs> oh God! Yep, he good stuff. And Yorba Taconi is a really solid director, and he, he he's done this before with the stuff for The Lonely Island, and just he he has a good sense of visual flair about him. Oh and, yeah, I mean the movie only costs I think ten million dollars to make, and it it looks like it they made it for more. Yeah, no, it, it they and actually the guy they got it to shoot it, Brandon Trost, was um, uh, the DP for um, the Neville Dean Taylor guys for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that that's pretty cool that he was able to bring some kinetic energy to this, you know, essentially a comedy. But it feels like a fucking canon movie with how insane it is at times. Oh yeah, the beauty of it and Powers Booth lends authenticity to that, as you were saying. Like uh, this movie rocks. Basically, a Troutman character. Yeah, <laughs> shame on shame on everybody ten years ago for not going to. Are we the only ones who saw this in the theater, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Just tell me whose dick you want me to suck. <laughs> Put something in this room, I'll fuck it. You uh, didn't have to use the f word so much. <laughs> they laughed. <laughs> well, it's a fucking bullshit day. 
<laughs> and then yeah. the the running gag of the uh the, the car that cuts him off and so he just <laughs> yeah. oh, has a notebook full of the <laughs> ways he's gonna get revenge and <laughs> he finally does get revenge on the car uh yeah it's great after he fucks the ghost of his ex-wife <laughs> 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 I love how it cuts from sensual to ee, ee, ee. <laughs> <laughs> that's like almost back to back scenes like that too. Cause then he like goes right over to uh Kristen Wiig's character. I think it's backwards. I think he goes to Kristen Wiig and then his. Yeah. Cause he feels guilty after yeah. uh, having sex with Kristen Wiig and the, th- uh, the throat ripping gag that pays off in the finale. Oh yeah. And he's like, listen, if ripping throats is gonna take is gonna, is what it's what it's gonna take to stop this guy, then I'll suck as many dicks as I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Good and stuff. You really want that turkey, don't you? <laughs> and, and then when he kills Val Kilmer, and he like he's gonna rip his dick off, and then Val Kilmer has when he pulls down his pants, Val Kilmer purposely castrated himself so he couldn't. Oh, and I then he, he sh- it, when he blew himself. Oh, that's right. It yeah. blew himself up, and then. Uh, <laughs> He shot him with a rocket launcher, and as he was falling down the side of a cliff, he was shooting him. And then when he hit the ground, he pissed on him. <laughs> <laughs> Which, why are they having the wedding, like, next to uh, the Grand Canyon or something? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah. That, when he has Val Kilmer um, uh, strapped to the bomb, and he's showing him that he does know how to disarm it, and Val Kilmer just goes, weak! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many wires like a three wire guy <laughs> there's green one no there's a whole bunch of green ones here <laughs> Doug Doug are you guys alright Doug <laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> Will Forte I really I didn't see the last man on earth thing but I'm glad he's still finding a way to operate he, he's one of the funniest parts obviously of that extraordinary movie Oh, he's, I think he's the best part of extraordinary <laughs> And, but man, like I really, I'm really glad that they're gonna give MacGruber a shot on that uh, NBC series now. Cause, damn, like it's been too long <laughs> since I've had more MacGruber in my life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm interested to see like where else they go with that character. Cause obviously, they did a lot with the sketches on the show. Right. So I think it, it might work if they do maybe uh, ten to fifteen minute episodes, where. Yeah. He has to solve a problem really fast and then it's over. Yeah, kind of like uh, cartoons where they have like two 15-minute segments or something. Yeah, like you know, it's no long uh, narrative yeah. <laughs> and no continuity and no need to, I don't know. That'd be fun. Who knows? It's, it's strange. Like, ideally, it would be a good Quibi show. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's wonderful. And Christopher Nolan says he loves this thing. So that's that's even more amazing. <laughs> He's a fan of MacGruber. Yeah, there was an article where he apparently sent a letter to either Will or Yorma um, in regards to the TV show because he was just like, "The world needs this right now." <laughs> nice. And um, but That's I guess awesome. like at, yeah, at a certain point, Will Forte was uh, uh, met him at a screening and like they and he told him how much he loved it. So That's pretty neat. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Cool. Um, so next week, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if we're going to do film explosion or not. We'll figure it out. Um, I think that's the plan. Yeah. But we have to, we're splitting it up. So it'll be our first half zoom, half in person. So yeah, we'll have to see how that's going to work. Cause how are we going to record on one side? Not on zoom. We all have to be on zoom anyways. Right. Yeah. So Hmm. we'll see. We'll it'll be it'll be you, me, and Corinne partying, and everyone else watching us party. Yeah, right on. I'm making this Blu-ray. <laughs> nice. Too much work into it. No, I hope so. Oh yeah, I can't wait for you to see some of the gags I got through this one. Can't it's wait. It'll be good. So cool. So next week will be film explosion. Um, thanks for listening, and make sure you see MacGruber. You know, let's get it out there. The guy's a fucking genius. McGruber. Put some totally. fun in your life. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, the radio in his car. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Is that? I n- I've never seen removable radio. Was that a thing of the eighties? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's like so you that can steal it. 
Right. I, I get because you can't steal. If I, was, I was wondering if there was like a deeper level to that that I didn't. Take me home tonight. A modern day equivalent would be like the cover plating of like those later latter day CD players for the car. Like you could take off the component that would make it operate and it would not, you wouldn't have to take out the whole unit. But, uh, but yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> See, so many levels. I just took an upper decker in his toilet. <laughs> Well, guys, thanks. Yeah. Uh, catch you Sunday, I guess. Yeah. See you Sunday. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.